Hi there. You're listening to Lindisfarne Anglican Church's Sermon Podcast, a place where you can hear God's Word preached if you weren't able to join us at one of our services during the week. My prayer for you today is that as you listen to this message, you'd be challenged, encouraged, and equipped to live as a disciple of Christ in the world. May God richly bless you as you listen to this message today. You may have heard this, the old phrase, Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven. Uh, and it's a sort of phrase that someone somewhere has come up with for bumper stickers and um, fridge magnets and these sorts of things. And uh, it, it, it's, I've kind of have a bit of a love-hate relationship with the phrase. Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven. Uh, when, when I see that phrase, I think, unfortunately... Uh, it feels like a lame excuse. It feels like uh, a lame excuse for uh, a, a litany, thousands of years of, of Christian failing and, and, and Christians failing to live the kind of lives that we preach about and that we call others to live. And all of us can think, can't we, of a Christian who's failed to live up to some sort of Christian standard, whatever we might describe that to be. And we could all too think of a a Christian who, having their sin exposed, have uh, run to this slogan, Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven. You know, someone comes up to me and they say, hey, Chris, you uh, really didn't do a very good job at being loving. And I go, well, you know, Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven. Uh, and somehow that means it's okay that I've acted unlovingly towards people uh, when, in fact, I ought not to be behaving like that at all. Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven, when it's said in a way that means, well, I just don't really care about my behaviour, is a terrible slogan indeed. But when it means that we aren't perfect because we are still mindful of our sin, of the fact that we fall short from God's standards, but that daily we're trying to strive, strive to live as God would have us, striving to live the new life we have in Christ, then it in fact reflects a helpful idea. It reflects something of the reality that we have before us in the book of Ephesians as we've been working through that as a church. That we were once dead, but now we've been raised to life with Christ to live a resurrection life. When that slogan, Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven, is joined with striving, as Paul calls us to in the second half of chapter 4, to make every effort to live the kind of life God wants us, then it indeed is a great statement of the grace of God that worked powerfully in our lives. Well, as I have been driving home over the last few weeks and you haven't been here, we've been working our way through Ephesians and what we've seen is that for Paul, theology drives practice. That is... 
His ideas and thoughts about God drive his instructions to the people uh, about how they should live. It's because of who God is and what God's done that he calls the Ephesians to live in certain kinds of ways. Uh, And we see this again in the second half of chapter 4, where if you've got the reading there, it's one of the 1,500 pieces of paper in your pew sheet, uh, you can see the uh, uh, verses 17 through 24, uh, again, we see this theology-driving practice. Paul, in these first uh, few verses, verses 17 to 24, is recapping the idea that dead people have been made alive in Christ, which is the whole... Part, first half of the book, chapters 1 to 3. In these verses, he's insisting that the Ephesian Christians live differently because of the, their theological reality, that they are no longer darkened in their understanding or separated from God as they were, verse 18, that they are no longer without sensitivity and therefore indul- to indulge in impurity and greed, verse 19, but rather, verse 20, they have a new kind of life. A life where they are to live like Jesus, we see in verse 21. A life that means they are to stop living the old way and start living the new way. Uh, A life where they've had their minds renewed. They have a new attitude, verse 23. And they're to put on a new self, verse 24. Contrasted to that old self of impurity and greed back in verse 19 with this new self of righteousness and holiness in verse 24. This is a Paul saying, you were like this, but God has made you like this now. Therefore, live differently. And so from verses 25 through to the end of our chapter today, chapter 4, Paul unpacks the fruit of this theological reality, that they've had their minds renewed, that they've, had them, they've put off the old self and put on the new self. Uh, Paul now says, given all of this, Live differently. And the first thing he says is that they ought to speak truthfully. Verse 25. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbour, for we are all members of the one body. There's a hint in this verse of that other big theological idea. The two big theological ideas of Ephesians are, one, God has made us alive in Christ when we were dead, And two, that God is making a new united humanity in the church. That when outside of the church we might have been enemies, as the Jews and Gentiles were, now in the church we are one in Christ Jesus. And so Paul says, because we are one body, because we are united, we need to speak about each other truthfully. Because that's the road to unity, isn't it? If we're going to live together in unity, we need to make sure we don't go around telling lies about each other. And uh, it's vital for Paul to remind the Ephesian church of this, and it's vital for him to remind us of this too. That as we as a church have gone through a change process, as we've started these new services, we need to make sure that we're speaking truthfully to one another. Now, I think there's a point here where I can confess that uh, perhaps I needed to have communicated more clearly through the process, uh, that perhaps sometimes I was misheard or that I wasn't as clear as I perhaps could have been. Uh, But I've always sought to be honest and truthful as we've navigated our way through this change process. 
And it's important, isn't it, that we too, uh, because, not because I say so, but because it's the fruit of what God has done in our lives in bringing us from death to life, that we speak truthfully. That we don't spread rumours about finance or about buildings or about services or about the little shop or about columbariums or about redress schemes. These are not the things that Christian people do. They speak the truth. And if you don't know the truth, you don't say anything. You find out the truth. You go to someone who might know what's going on. Speak the truth, Paul says. And next, deal with your anger. Verses 26 to 27. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Note, he doesn't say, don't get angry, that Christians shouldn't get angry, but he says, when we find ourselves feeling angry, we need to make sure that we deal with it well. And he's not, I don't think he's saying, literally, you've got till sunset to get it sorted out. So he's not saying... So I'm sorry that you happen to live in Tasmania and it's winter, so you've got till 4pm to sort out your, uh, uh, your anger issues. He's not saying that. He's saying, rather, deal with it in a, in a timely manner. Don't let it fester. Find the person who's made you, ang- you angry and, and go and sort it out, because if we're going to live a life of unity together in the church, if we're going to be a community of love, then we need to deal with our anger, because it's going to happen We're going to sometimes make each other feel angry and we need to sort it out. We need to be willing to do that rather than letting it fester. And likewise, we need to be open and gracious when we're told that we've made someone feel angry and seek to apologise and find reconciliation. Paul says, because of what Jesus has done in bringing you from death to life, be people of truth, deal with your anger. Next he says... Don't steal, which is a bit of a funny thing to say, but there's, a, there's, a, there's a, a principle, I think, that is beneath that, which is of working hard. Verse 28. Those who have been stealing must not steal anymore, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Paul says that as Christians, we need to work hard so that we can be generous people. He calls us to a life of doing useful things with our hands in order to share with those in need. He calls us to a life of hard work and generosity. Be truthful, deal with your anger, work hard and be generous. Next he says, speak words of life. Verse 29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. This is, I think, connected, isn't it, to his uh, earlier statements that, uh, of a call to being truth speakers, of a, cause, of a call to dealing with your anger well. That is, we use our words to build up rather than tear down, to bring life rather than death. We speak words of truth. We, we speak words of grace even, rather than anger and bitterness. I wonder if you might find yourself thinking next time you're having a conversation, is this building others up according to their needs or is it simply benefiting me or worse, is it doing us damage? And if it's not building those up and benefiting those who listen, then it's not a conversation really 
worth having. Be truthful, deal with your anger, work hard and be generous, speak words of life. And then Paul says something a little bit confusing. He says, verse 30, have a look. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Now, I'm not sure why Paul says this here, but I do know, I do think I've understood what he's driving at here. He's saying that our behaviour as Christian people has the ability to grieve God, that God can be upset uh, at our failure to live the way that he's called us to live. And John Stott says that the fruit of every spirit-filled believer is that we desire to bring the Lord pleasure, not pain. I I found it helpful to think of it uh, like this. When I was a bit younger, I used to go on summer camps down at Montgomery Park in Conningham. Uh, And as a teenager, in fact, I think Kate was a leader on some of these camps that I used to go on, so sorry, Kate. But... um, uh, what would happen was that the, the, the aim of the evening, uh, once we'd gone to bed, uh, was to try and get the girls um, into our cabins or for, some, for others to get out of the cabin and into the girls' cabins. Not to, not to like, have wild, crazy orgies, just to hang out with the girls for longer, right? Uh, and so th- th- this was what we would do and we would try and sneak out and it was all... Uh, uh, good fun until we got busted and, uh, and then it was a bit sad. Uh, and what was interesting was often, uh, and in, particularly in one year, uh, m- m- most of us, being sort of 16, 17 year olds, uh, only a week or so before this camp, we'd actually served with some of these same leaders as junior leaders. So they'd been giving us all this trust and respect uh, and, and, and responsibility uh, that now uh, we uh, come as campers onto a camp, we'd sort of taken for granted uh, and uh, started behaving in ways that we were trying to stop people behaving only a week earlier. Uh, and I'll never forget that uh, one day the camp uh, director, she sat us down on the steps of Montgomery Park uh, and she sat us there and having done whatever we'd done the night before and she looked at us and she sort of sighed a bit and she said, I'm, I'm not angry, I'm just disappointed. You've just made me really sad because you haven't lived up to our expectations. And let me tell you, I was prepared for her to rip me a new one. Uh, But she didn't. She told me how I'd grieved her. And it was so much worse. And I felt so bad. And I apologised profusely and I promised never to do it again. Uh, And and I think uh, it's that kind of idea, perhaps somewhat, that Paul is driving at here. That when we sin, we do make God angry because he gets angry at sin. but, But also we let him down. He's grieved by our failure to live as he's called us to do. So let's seek to please him rather than grieve him. And how do we do that? Well, we do the kind of things Paul's telling us to do here, being truthful, dealing with our anger, working hard so we can be generous, speaking words of life. And finally, we see in verses 31 to 32, we're called to be kind, loving and forgiving. 
Paul says in verse 31, get rid of bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, and every form of malice. There is no place for any of these things in the life of a Christian community. And they have to be totally rejected and repudiated when we see them before us. When we see someone trapped in bitterness, angry and raging at their brothers or sisters in Christ, slandering them, then there's no place for that in the church. And we ought to call it out as Christians because we are kind and loving and we want them to know the forgiveness and love of God. We need to make sure that as Christians, we help our fellow Christians to behave in Christian ways. Kindness, compassion, forgiveness and love. Why? Because that's how Christ has behaved towards us. So, if you hear any of these sorts of things from the mouths of a Christian, bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, malice, God's calling us, I think, to stand and to say stop. For the Lord Jesus calls you to something greater than this. He calls you to kindness to compassion, to forgiveness, to even those who you're telling me today are your enemy and you hate them deeply. God says, you were once my enemies and yet I chose to love you and die for you anyway. He forgives us even when we grieve him. He loves us even when we behave in ways that are unlovable and so he calls us to do likewise. God has transformed us. He's called us to live a new life in Christ. We've been raised with Christ to live a resurrection life. And today we see that looks like being people of truth, being people who deal well with our anger, people who work hard and are generous, people who speak words of life, people who are kind, loving and forgiving, and people who try and, uh, and seek not to grieve God. But as we do this, we need to remember those final words there, that we do these things just uh, as in Christ God has forgiven us. We don't do it as perfect people, but we do do it as forgiven ones. And we strive to continue to live like this in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hey there. Thanks so much for listening to this message today. I hope you were encouraged by God as he spoke to you by his Holy Spirit. Please head to our website if you'd like more information about our church. www.lindisfarneanglican.org.au Or like us on Facebook by searching Lindisfarne Anglican. We are a church for Lindisfarne, making disciples of Jesus. God bless. God bless.